You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 355. You're listening to The Lively Show. This podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, my friends. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to just do a little Q&A with you. As you guys might know, I have been in a lot of personal transition and lots of fun things are happening behind the scenes. We now have a new JessLively.com website. The Lively Community app also has a matching update in its new look to match the new website design as well. So you could go check those out if you want to see them. And join the app if you want to, too. It's totally free to join, which you might really enjoy meeting 2,300 other like-minded souls from around the world, checking in with their inner voices in so many places and sharing such beautiful moments of their lives and their gifts with each other in the app. So that's something for you if you want. And then I have two other projects I'm excited to be brewing behind the scenes that have not something so much to do with consciousness, though obviously I love consciousness as as you well know. But these other aspects of my interests from my own personal life as just the human that has been a jewelry designer in the past and living in Lisbon, I'm excited to be working on some projects that have to do with those aspects of my interest in life as well. So Those are brewing. I'll be sharing more about them, probably in maybe a flow diaries as I get a little bit further down the track with those projects. But in the meantime, I thought after the Q&A, a a Q&A is always like a good idea to me when it comes to checking back in with you guys, especially after the last episode that aired about what I do and I'm worried and stressed out in the relationship I was previously in and how I went through that transition using my inner voice. That was such a special episode to air with you guys. And the DMs I got on Instagram especially were just so sweet. A lot of people listened to that episode and started talking to their inner voices after kind of inspired by what they experienced from my very raw and very real thing that I shared. So anyways, feel free to go back and re-listen to that if you didn't catch it. But here I am today with the Q&A. These are questions that were asked in the Lively Community app. So here we go. The most recent one says, Maddie Robbins, how do you cope in stressful times? Well, I would say, Maddie, go listen to the episode from last week. That episode of me listening to my inner voice is what I do when I'm super stressed, is I just turn on my voice notes in my phone and I just speak to my inner voice from the mind back and forth and then I record it so I can re-listen if I want to later in the mind as it kind of comes back to earth and tries to integrate what it received for the topic at hand. So you could do that about anything, but of course in my situation I was doing it on the relationship as it ended. Next we have Allie H who said, how do you use your inner voice in a workplace setting? Well, it depends on what you mean by how do you use it in a workplace setting. So you could use it to decide where you're working in general. Should you work at this job? Should you stay? Should you leave? Of course, you can ask questions around that to your inner voice. But once you're actually working in the job that you're aligned to working in, you could use it around projects and how to deal with certain characters in your bosses, your coworkers, difficult clients, etc. Anything that might be difficult. So that's where the inner voice is super, super helpful. Of course, you don't have to use it only in difficult moments at all. I don't want to make it sound like you only use it in stressful times. But when you're not in a stressful sense, you'll often just be in a relaxed and like trusting mode. And in relaxed and trusting mode, knowing is very easy and simple. You just do things as they feel good to do them. That's where you don't have to necessarily ask inner voice questions. You're just feeling the guidance within you to the next right step and the next right step. So when you're in an easeful, graceful place, you probably won't even ask your inner voice. Like for example, I don't ask my inner voice questions on my work or money. 
I have a deep knowing trust in my mind that all will be provided and I'll know it when I feel it. And when it comes across my table, the right opportunity, the right thing to do, I'll feel it. So that's really what I do because I have such peace and trust in that area. But for somebody that's got more what I call emotional beanbags in the work area of their life, their mind may have more fear and concern and scarcity and all of those sorts of things. And that's when that inner voice is a beautiful crutch, a beautiful tool to help you know what the non-fearful part of yourself is guiding you into. And then it can also, if you've ever done any beanbag releasing with anyone here in the facilitator groups of IBFT, you could learn how to also release the emotions that would make the mind not want to follow what the inner voice is saying around the workplace. Next up, we have Andrea Garcia Tenorio. I think I got that right. She says, do you think we always carry the backpack of one or more things like you with the topic of partner, or do you think that we figure them all out at one point and can be free of carrying backpacks? I don't know the future, so I can't say if I will ever become totally free of all worry and concern. I think there's definitely as possible through extremely wonderful states of consciousness. I don't know how common or frequent that will be, but that also historically may be maybe more rare, but also I don't want to put that on the future that it has to stay rare. So I think that previous states of consciousness that were truly free of a lot of mental worry and concern or almost all of it, I think were more rare in the past of humanity, but I think going forward that may become a more doable thing, a more tangible thing, but I think it's still in transition for sure for a lot of people. For me, I would say what's really interesting is the topic of partner, obviously in the last six years, I've been mostly single and traveling after my divorce. That period of my time was where my mind fixated on that topic. But I had nine or 10 years of really great, easy relationships (laughs) with two partners before that. So I didn't have relationship as my backpack, so to speak, before this part of my life. For 31 to 36, that's where that has been active. Before that, it was never the topic. Before that, when I was younger, I had from maybe like 15 to 24, my big concern in my mind for nine years was my eating and my body was controlling that issue in my life. Then it also worried about work and money for many years after that issue in my life. And then it got into the topic of relationships. So it's almost what's fascinating is seeing that once I found that peaceful mastery from the intuition to the area like body, first of all, the body became awesome, (laughs) really great, really amazing tones. All the things I was trying so hard to do with my mind and control and effort actually happened effortlessly once I stopped controlling from the mind nine years later. The same happened after that. I fixated on work and money and that kind of thing. And that all sorted itself out beautifully when I gave up control on that topic. And then, of course, as the mind fixates in something new, it tries to solve that problem. So then it started looking at relationship. But as I am getting so much better, so much better, I feel so much better and lighter, easier, more graceful, more allowing and trusting in the topic of relationship in large part because of the relationship I just had and ended like that actually feels even more tangible and doable than ever before to be really peaceful about that topic. What my mind will do next, if it will try to find another, as you're calling them backpack or not, we'll just have to watch and vigilance (laughs) to see if it tries to attach to something new. But it's interesting because usually I always say, I guess your word is you're using is backpack. I used to say on the show, what's your ego's favorite chew toy? Like a dog that has a favorite chew toy. What does it chew on the most? That usually has one topic fixates at a time. But what I love is that for me, at least I've seen that those previous topics that I previously chewed on a lot in the past have Actually, because of all of that suffering and struggle and all of those years of it, I actually do see that the ease and the flow and the abundance in those areas now that I've gone through them and given those topics up to my intuition, I have an easier time with those aspects of life. In some ways, you could even say, 
at least it feels for me, like better results than a lot of people that are still efforting or striving. Maybe they never even struggled as much as I previously truly struggled. But out of that struggle, as Abraham Hicks likes to say, like the bigger the contrast, the bigger the solution that's provided. And I feel like that actually has played out for me, at least in my own personal things around body and money and career and time. So I I guess that means in this case, I'm hopeful and optimistic that that means that partner two is going to be really stupendous when it actually unfolds. So now we'll keep going on to the next topic. Sonia said, hi, Jess, have you ever thought of visiting Switzerland as a chocolate lover? I think you would enjoy it. Best wishes from Zurich. I have been to Switzerland one week in college, but obviously that's eons of time ago. And I would love to go back. I haven't been touring around Europe this summer because I don't have a vaccine. I don't think that it's the easiest to do. So I think Greece, I could go rather easily, but I don't know about places like Switzerland or Copenhagen. There's so many cool places to explore. I couldn't even go back to London without doing a quarantine which I just chose not to want to go to London long enough to make a 10 or 14 day quarantine worth it. But that would be wonderful. So yes, I'd love to go. But when it is easier to travel between countries. Now we have Miriam who said, will you ever offer other mini experiments like playtime, but with different focuses, sending love? Okay, this is an amazing question. Yes, yes, yes. I actually want to do the next one on relationships, not on love relationships specifically, just people, like other people in your life, the people that you have in your life, whether they're people that are in your family, your friends, your coworkers, your romantic partner, or relationships with like people you have strong aversions to or drawing to in other aspects that you may not know personally. I'm very excited about this. I think that's gonna be the next mini experiment that I do, and I wanna do it before IVFT starts this fall. So IVFT is gonna start in mid-October. So if you wanna join us for IVFT and your intuition says it's a fit, we're super excited to have you. You can register already if you want to over at jesslively.com IVFT. And before that, this mini experiment around relationships and other people and looking at them in your life in a whole new way, I'm so excited to do. And that will be offered free for those that join IVFT. So if you join IVFT, you'll get to do the relationship one for free. So if that sounds interesting, feel free to join us. I'm excited for that one. It's been one I've been playing with myself in my own life and also talking with Cocoon members about in the last few weeks as well. So I'm excited to bring it to the crew that joins IVFT coming up soon. All right, now we have Rosie who says, can you share the name of the friend who did the theme music again? And will there be an opportunity to stream it on Spotify or download it? You find it so relaxing to listen to. That's great, Rosie. My composer friend is named Matt Nicholson. The song is not on Spotify, so there's no current way to download it, but it is a really beautiful song and I'm glad you enjoy it at the end of our shows. Now we have Terrell Hannah who said, my mind worries of abandonment often and I have found it difficult to listen to inner voice on that topic. What does the, your inner voice have to say? So the mind worries of abandonment. Okay, so there's emotional beanbags on the topic of abandonment. Here, let's do my inner voice, I guess. As you asked, you wanted my inner voice. My inner voice says, don't worry at all. There's nothing to consider about this other than how you can allow yourself to see through the fear that you're feeling right now. You have to be able to see through it. You don't have to go around it, but you have to see through it. Around and not through. That's how you can do this inside of you. You can do it as well. Don't worry. And there's no need to dwell. So that's what my inner voice just said as I just like quickly popped in there. But I can also say from working with a lot of clients over the years, when there's probably obviously experience of abandonment in this life or potentially other lives that may influence this life and the emotions and reactions you're having. You could do, if it's really, 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 really dense, RTT, hypnotherapy, is an amazing tool 
to getting the mind unstuck from huge, huge boulders. So that's why our foundation does a lot of work with hypnotherapy for people that have had extreme trauma experiences in their lives. But of course, you can do RTT for less extreme trauma experiences than the stuff that we cover through the foundation. So if you weren't in a situation that the foundation's giving away hypnotherapy for free for, but you still have a situation in your life that is really dense and deep and your mind's just not letting go, that could be a place to like see insight at first. And some people are even RTT and IVFT certified in blending the two if they choose to. So that might be interesting as well to consider uh, as kind of a blend of your inner voice and your subconscious and harmony as you find that clarity. But then at the same time, you could do some beanbag releasing. And ultimately, the path is beanbag releasing and awareness and clarity. Whether you do that through um, what the first step is, if that's the first step, or if you do something like hypnotherapy beforehand or something, that's really totally your intuition's call. So I'd ask your intuition, what should I do about the fear of abandonment first? Not even trying to go through the fear of abandonment, but what should I do to help myself release the fears so that it will even know how will I get my mind to allow myself to listen on that topic? So kind of ask more general questions at first for the guidance and then see what it says, something like hypnotherapy or and just go into your intuition. And also it might say to work with somebody as a facilitator and get some guidance and help as you do it. It's really helpful to have someone hold space for you that knows how to do so. Now we have Nicole who said, curious on what your inner voice says on the relevance of the different opinions on the Corona vaccine. Example, some think it's right for them and some don't. A big topic and a lot of tension at this currently in some countries. Very true. What I have had through coaching over this last year, people bring up the vaccine and the concern about it. Mostly the people that I've worked with that have brought it up to me in coaching sessions have been not wanting to get vaccinated, but feeling the pressure from cultures, guidelines, and other people in their lives to get it done. So what's interesting is that as I've intervoiced with those people that have that specific concern, of course, if you're the flip side and you're like, I'm worried that people aren't getting vaccinated enough, you could still go to your inner voice. But those just haven't been the people that have been asking me specifically. What I found interesting is that the very general trend that I've seen consistently from inner voices on the topic of the vaccine to those that I've been speaking to that have not wanted to get the vaccine. For those people, that's where I've just heard the inner voices talking. They have told the clients that I'm working with at the time that they're doing it that basically, if they think it's bad, it will be bad for them. If they think it's not bad, it will not be bad for them. This very much aligns to like, for example, Abraham Hicks, And what they say about foods and many people's preferences or rules and guidelines in their minds about foods that they eat, Abraham says that the foods, if you decide that they're good for you, their body will perceive it as good. If you decide that it's bad for you, your body will decide to perceive it as bad. So what you're attaching to it makes a big influence on what its influence is on you. So if your mind makes it the worst thing in the world, then your body will react as though it's such. If your mind makes it not that bad, it will not be as such. The thing that stuck for me of all the clients that I worked with is one of them got a visual and they saw a shot, like a vaccine needle going in and they said, imagine it as sparkle fairy dust or imagine yourself deleting it after its efficacy, after it's injected into your body or something along those lines. Or think of it as sparkle fairy dust going into your veins. Whatever you want, allow your mind to choose the best and highest if you're going to do so. If you're going to do it, do it in the best and highest. Or let's say you're super pro vaccine and you really want it to protect you from the virus. You could also, yeah, imagine it like 
uh, a shield of armor that's protecting you from the vaccine if you feel like that's something that would give your mind peace and solace. But basically, they really said it's going to affect you most by what you think about it as it's going into you more than it is what other people think about it. So that's something to consider if it's useful for you. But of course, your inner voice will be the place to go on topics about other people, whether they're pushing it on you, whether you're trying to push it on other people, all that kind of stuff. Go to your inner voice for guidance. Katarina says, hey, Jess, do you have any theories on how releasing beanbags changes on the brain on a neuroplastic level? I've loved your take on science and spirituality and interested to see what you may think may be happening as release old patterns. That's a great question, Katerina. Now, here's what I'm going to say. I've been a passionate learner and non-accredited. So I'm just going to tell you what I perceive to be happening. I have no idea if this is actually true. But here's from what I've learned around how thoughts and emotions wire together. And here's what I think is actually happening. This is just Jess's theory on this. You know, I'd love to have a scientist be able to test this and see if it's true. But what I feel like might be happening. Okay. So when you have a thought and an emotion, here's the little chain of reactions. So the thought occurs, the thought goes in, into the hypothalamus and creates a neural peptide. The neural peptide is the chemical that is the emotion. And that emotional chemical then goes into the pituitary gland. And from the pituitary, it goes into your bloodstream. Through the bloodstream, it goes into the organs of the body and the chemicals get planted in the body. And that's when you're feeling those emotions in the body. Okay, so this is uh, something I learned, and it was really great. An example of how this all works was in uh, What the Bleep Do We Know, a really great old documentary. It's amazing. Still, Joe Dispenza is a baby, so to speak. He's not really a baby. He's just much younger than is in there. So if you know Joe Dispenza's work, you'll be amazed if you haven't seen it before to see him in his younger state. And others as well, amazing quantum physicists and amazing thought leaders. Even Greg Braden's in there too, I think. Oh, I love that. It's a really great documentary if you haven't seen it. But they do a great job explaining the thoughts and emotions and how they go through the body. So as those neurochemicals, they use an example of like, let's say you're watching something sexy. <laughs> say the mind has the thought of the sexy thing that creates a neural peptide with the chemical that goes into the hypothalamus from there up to the pituitary into the bloodstream. And then it's like obviously creating sexy <laughs> organ arousal when the sexy thought is occurring. Okay, so that's an example to give your mind a chain of reactions and events. Now that's on a subject, obviously, that's very specific, but let's say you have an old emotion and you're being triggered. So this is where the just lively piece of it comes in. So as that's all happening, let's say you're you get an email from your boss and it really triggers your mind. So the email, you know, your mind interprets it as a threat. It fires and wires together. It creates an, a stress neural peptide of some kind, like cortisol or something like that, goes into from the hypothalamus into the pituitary, and then it goes into your bloodstream and you're gonna feel it in your, and I say, let's say your belly. So when you're having this reaction, I'll say, where's your beanbag? What I believe might be happening is that you're feeling that chemical activated in the area that might be in your abdomen, in your right side. Let's say that's where you sense the beanbag. But what's amazing is that as you sense the beanbag, you're often not necessarily feeling it literally as it's though it's inside of your organ on the right side of your body. You sense it usually kind of like a big lumpy clump of energy on top of the body, outside of the body, but near that right side. I always typically, in most cases, end up perceiving my emotional beanbags as non-physical but heavy objects outside of the body, but 
in relation to the body. So I can say it's in my neck or it's in my shoulder or my belly or my chest. Or a lot of people feel like there's like a giant weight on my chest or a rolled up rug on my belly. They'll sense these as outside of the body. But I actually wonder in the awareness of beanbag releasing, in the pure awareness, just as Eckhart Tolle says in The Power of Now, when you look in the pain body, the trip, Pure awareness transmutes everything into itself. So as pure awareness enters that beanbag and beanbag releasing, my feeling is that the neural wiring of that thought to that chemical reaction. So when you have the thought, when the email comes across your desk and your mind goes back to that old emotion it's had before in stress and career, and then you're having that feeling, when you're in awareness releasing the beanbag, my my theory is that it's also rewiring that connection. So instead of, think of like mousetrap or those like, um, you know, like you kick, the ball or like a domino effect, you know, like if the ball goes down the pipe and then it goes and hits the wood and then it goes, you know, those chain reactions. Right now, the mind has an association to a situation that's fearful around work, maybe in some way, chains to cortisol, chains to the stress reaction, and then it activates in that area in the body. But as you're in pure awareness and you're breathing through and releasing, That pure awareness while you're doing so, not being totally taken over in your awareness by the emotion, but having awareness present for the emotion and being aware of where it is in the body is actually releasing the chemical connection. So later you could have the thought or the email could come, but the emotional component, the printing of the cortisol chemical into the hypothalamus up to the pituitary and then through the bloodstream may not be happening that over time, those stop chain reacting together. They stop being looped together. That's my theory on it. But I cannot you know, tell you whether that's true. My physical experience of life has been that, though, from the last few years of beanbag releasing. I could tell you that after I've released a big one, that situation, when I go back into it, can't fire in the same strength and validity that it had before. I can't feel as upset about it as I did before when I've really beanbagged an emotion. Okay, so now we have Sarah As who said, hi Jess, do you continue to simply flow from one day to the next or do you sometimes have your mind plan ahead like a specific trip or a desire and then do you come back into the now? Thank you. Yeah, it depends. Like I wanted to go, today I'm at a co-working member's place that I really love called Yayem. I'm here, I plan to come here with my friend Emily and my friend Berwin. So we came today. So that was a plan that required me to you know, let Emily know, I think we're going to, you know, get up and go at 10. Let me message you in the morning. Berwin, you know, the same. We all planned it together. But then there's a lot of flow in terms of like, as I woke up today, I woke up earlier than I expected. I worked until like 12.15 last night doing cocoon. And then I thought, well, I probably isn't going to want to sleep in. So let's go a little later in the morning, like 10. But I ended up waking up at 8.22 or something like that. And I was like, oh, this is like, much earlier than I thought. So I got ready for the day an hour sooner. So as Berwin, who's staying with me right now, wanted to get a coffee, I was like, oh, let's go get a coffee. That sounds great. I've got a half hour before Emily's coming to meet us to go to Yayam. So we went to get the coffee and it was amazing because as we're at the coffee, two people walk in that he knows that had actually bumped into me on the street, but we didn't actually know each other, so we didn't speak at the time, but they recognized me. He knows these two guys. These two guys know Emily, who's then coming like 15 minutes later to catch the Uber with us. So then Emily comes and we all have a nice little chat. And then as Emily comes in, someone else from Yayam walks in (laughs) to the coffee shop at the same time as Emily to the point where they didn't know each other but the one of the guys that was there in this little group that was forming like almost gave a hug to the yummer because he assumed she was friends with Emily as well but they were not actually connected but I know them all through 
so many different places and spaces. So that was an amazing little moment of flow, even though I had the general idea. I think I'm going to go to Yeah Yeah tomorrow with Emily and Berwin at 10 a.m. So if that is helpful, it's like loads of synchronicities, loads of flow and unexpected. Like I didn't expect to wake up as early as I did, didn't expect to go get that coffee, but it all worked out really, really beautifully and perfectly beyond the mind's ability to prepare for that. But it was perfect and it's flowed. But at the same time, I am here at Yeah Yeah right now. I did have the idea to do a podcast maybe if it flowed and here I'm doing it. Um, but I was very open to it happening, not happening, just letting the, the cards play as they do. So yeah, I think there is an element of choosing to come to a place like Yeah Yam, and I can think about that as a possibility, but I'm also very quick to let things go if those possibilities and potentials don't play out. So it's about kind of like thinking about things being fun or it could be good or you know, kind of loosely planning with people or really committing to planning with people, but I would never commit to planning with people at the expense of my own alignment. So if I felt sick today or I did not have the energy to come to YAM, I just would have let Emily know that honestly, that I didn't have the energy, I was too tired or sick or whatever. And then I would say, oh, you could go with Berwin if you want to, but I might just stay home, that kind of thing. So um, I wouldn't stick to a plan at the expense of my alignment, but I like to do things that play out in a really high level of alignment and potential and it's super fun and like literally the four okay so what ended up happening today there's like five people two that i didn't know three that i did and vice versa i think everybody kind of knew two or three of the five people that just like met at that coffee shop but trying to arrange five people to meet at a coffee shop in that perfect <laughs> moment probably would have been much harder to actually coordinate on a whatsapp group than actually just life doing it for us so that's like really nice that's how life gets so easy and amazing and magical and simple is when that flow kind of works together Okay, now we have Laura who says, do you have a vision for your life overall? If so, did you develop this from the inner voice of the mind? Did you have a mind-driven version that is now different from the inner voice's influence? That's a great question. So in the younger years, I had a very specific visualizing kind of identity around what I would want my life to look like. And after five years of my <laughs> my mind's plans being not thwarted, but being redirected by my intuition, I can say that my mind has now acquiesced to the fact that it knows that it has no clue. <laughs> so I can have the desire right now to wanna do something in the future, but I have no clue if it will actually be something that happens or if something else will happen. And I'll want that other thing even more than what I previously did. Like, for example, everybody probably that's listened to the show for a while knows I wanted to live in Australia very much for three years. And I tried and visas never worked out. And here I am in Lisbon, which my intuition gave me two insights of knowing five years ago. And I had these two thoughts. The first moment I drove in in the dark in Lisbon, two thoughts occurred in my head. I would say in my head, it was like, it wasn't even words from the inner voice. It was two knowingnesses became and not from my head, but like I just suddenly had knowings that one, I think I'm gonna live here and my family's gonna come to Christmas. I had never seen a picture of Lisbon, never heard of the name Lisbon at the time that I arrived. It was so wild and out of character. I was just a few months into traveling full time at that point in time. And I had never, I had no idea what I was <laughs> knowing this about because I'd never seen it and I was in the dark. But my friends were laughing and laughing because of course Lisbon's beautiful and it's become incredibly different than even it was back then. But they're like, you don't even know where you're at. And I was like, yeah, I know. I don't know why I had those feelings, but then what ended up happening was I ended up going and traveling for five years. 
only to come here five years later, four years later. So it was true, but it wasn't in the timeline that made any sense to my mind. And as I've watched 2020 play out and I've watched Australia deal with COVID, I think at first in the early parts of COVID, I kind of was like drats. I didn't get locked in. I didn't get in. And then I could have figured out my way during the COVID lock in that they basically did to find a way to get a visa. This could have been my golden opportunity. But as the years have gone on and I'm watching them handle it, the way I feel about COVID versus the way Australia is handling COVID actually as a government, I'm just like, you know what? That probably would have driven me nuts. And I'm having this incredibly alchemistic, mystical, magical time in Lisbon with meeting friends upon friends upon friends. The thing I just shared today about this, like coming to Yayam this morning is only the tip of the iceberg. The last two weeks of my life have been completely transformed in the level of synchronicities and amazing people from all over the world that I have met and I am cherishing like no other. And so it's just, this is way more satisfying in my now moment than probably being at this point locked into Australia. So I actually am super thankful that I didn't get a visa thus far for Australia. And I can't have imagined that I'd even be saying that, but here I am honestly feeling that. So I know that if my mind still, my mind still loves Australia, still loves the idea of having a family if that flows with the right partner, still loves the idea of having that family possibly with time in Australia, but I know that I don't know what I don't know. So no, I don't wanna have kids with a partner that I don't really think that would be great and fun to do it with. I don't know, I'd love to have a partner, but I don't know, I don't wanna, I don't know, I, I know I don't have to go looking for that. And I know that if I did find that partner, I'm turning 37 in October. I feel like weirdly really relaxed about the kid thing because I've realized that kids are just souls and they're coming in and I figure like if a soul wants to be a part of my life, they'll find a way to be a part of my life. Whether they come through my womb or they come through adoption or they come through a previous marriage of another partner or, what, or they come through my brother having children, I don't know. But I know that if a soul wants to be in my life, it'll find a way to be in my life. And so I don't have to have the pressure on my own womb and eggs and age of my body right now to be the only factor. Also, I'm like, you know what? Also, technology is advancing so much, so rapidly that like, who's to say there's not an amazing opportunity around that that I haven't even contemplated because we haven't even gotten there yet in science. So I just like, I'm really, really relaxed about the kids thing at the moment, but who knows? Maybe that'll be where the mind goes next if I find the partner, but we'll just have to see. So I, I don't have anything seriously clear because I've just been turned around, tossed around, my mind's ideas of what it thinks it wants versus what actually happens and how amazing what actually happens is more than what my mind thought it wanted. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to see. <laughs> so if that helps, I just kind of feel like the mind's like kind of given up the white flag. There are potentials it likes, but it's not ready to fight for any of those against the alignment of now, I guess you could say. And that's a good place to be. It feels much more relaxing to be there than struggling uphill against something my soul's not giving me or inner voice isn't leading me to now. But like, yeah, the Australian thing, it's so wild to go, wow, I guess I really didn't want to get that yet. And Lisbon, I actually feel like what I cherish most about Lisbon right now is obviously the beautiful weather, the people, all the food, all that stuff. But the expat community that's moved here in the last few months is like a United Nations. A literal world has moved here from all parts. And after five years of travel, I deeply cherish knowing people from so many parts of the world that are just world citizens at this point. There's like, I have an Argentinian Pakistani friend who has lived in Canada and other places all over the world. And he lives in Lisbon now. Like, 
that's incredible to me. Like, what, how do you even, I just, I cherish, um, you know, and I have friends that have grown up in Lisbon their whole lives too. That's just to say that somebody has a unique eclectic world experience is the only type of person I cherish, but it's just so nice to have so many different people. And as someone that now sees themselves as like having grown up in the United States, but not specifically American anymore. Yes, I have the passport and so forth. I just cherish that I'm meeting so many people that have that similar kind of path life story or maybe they've traveled for several years i met one guy that traveled for 10 years recently that's moving to lisbon after being all over the place it's just so nice to be in a place that so many people are congregating in right now and that wouldn't have been the experience i would have found immediately five years ago in lisbon that's been developing over time and i really feel like it's been building steadily but there has to be like a tipping point i've noticed in the last two months the number of humans I meet now in Lisbon that say, I moved here three weeks ago, four days ago, two months ago, it is unbelievable. Having lived here even from the last year, I've never met this many new people. Like there is magic happening. I think it's kind of as COVID is like kind of run through, a lot of people that were planning on being here through that period are getting here even more than there were before. So it's like we've all been paving the way and then the new ones are flooding in and it's for me right now, a super beautiful experience. Okay, now we have Kagudum, who said, Hi Jess, have you ever encountered an inner voice or guide that was evil or has bad intentions? What are your thoughts on the Christian teachings of demonic spirits? Okay, so an inner voice is not evil. There wouldn't be an actual inner voice, an actual um, deep wisdom of the soul that is living that would be evil so no are there energies that can be tuned into entities that can be tuned into that are not enlightened even non-physical entities that are not enlightened okay so imagine that non-physical entities or physical entities that are not enlightened can definitely have fear or malintent because why would you have malintent because you're afraid right if you have nothing to fear why would you ever be evil like, why would you feel the need to hurt any other entity, physical or non-physical, unless you're afraid of something? As I forget who said it, it's a great quote, hurting people hurt people. <laughs> so hurting entities hurt other entities. Even if they don't act like they're hurting, the desire to hurt others comes from pain inside oneself, whether you're physical or non-physical. So as far as demonic spirits, spirits being non-physical entities, beings without a body, there are non-physical and there are physical, like there are people that murder with a physical body and there are people or non-physical entities that aren't murdering in physical form, but they could be channeled, they could be connected to that are just a frequency of some form of fear in a pre-enlightened state. So yes, that exists, but do you need to be afraid of that? No, not at all. If the human feels in any way that they're not safe, then they're creating that reality for themselves. They're creating that reality of their lives that they could have those situations where entities of lower frequencies show up. But if you're going into the deep inner voice of oneself, there is no fear in that place in oneself. So therefore there's no what fear or evil would be perceived as. So hopefully that like explains it. I just want to say that in a very blase, like matter of fact way. It's not like, no, oh my gosh. Oh, no. Yeah. But like, you don't need to go there. I knew uh, an amazing uh, channeling teacher I met years ago who said, you know, when you're tuning in, if you want to channel and you want to go to other entities outside of your own inner voice, just choose a very strong, very clear intention to have Christic or enlightened energies or higher come in only. 
So it's like, it's like saying you have an open house at your house, but you're only going to let people that respect your house come in. Or let's say you're an Airbnb host and you're only going to allow five-star reviewed guests to stay in your house. You don't have to let the one-star guests come in. <laughs> so set the intention. You're the gatekeeper to your own awareness. Like choose the highest and best for you, enlightened or above, if you're going to be bringing in an entity outside of your own inner voice. Your inner voice is the aspect of you and all the wisdom of all of your lifetimes. It's basically your enlightened self talking to you. You can also tune in to other entities that are also enlightened or unenlightened, but you don't really want to go too far down that frequency hill or you're just going to find immature, unaware, non-physical energy. Why why go there? Unless you feel like it for whatever reason, but it's really not necessary to play in those realms. And it doesn't mean you're not 100% safe. If you decide to be and feel 100% safe, you are. So I work with clients that ever, I don't know, I just am very clear. I'm like, is this the inner voice? If it's not, and I've never had anything very dramatic at all personally happen around this. So I'm not like ever worried. Because I guess probably because I'm so clear, I would never allow that for any of the clients that are coming in for me. I'd just be like, nope, they're out. I would just not, I would in the honor and service of the client, help them choose that 100% safety or the, uh, and, and like also get into the 100% inner voice part of themselves. Obviously when Annie Francoeur started channeling the collective, there was no question there. <laughs> that was an amazing energy that we welcomed to come through her, but she'd done a lot of practice beforehand and was, uh, even though I didn't know that she had practice beforehand, it was very clear that this is a beautiful energy coming through in service in high awareness. So choose that enlightened or higher if you're gonna allow others. But it doesn't deny what that is, it's just like, a lot of people are more immature, and so they deal with those, Im and they're the ones attracting those immature energies coming in, and it's like, yeah, you can play in that fearful realm if you want to, but that is not, it's like music on the radio. Yes, can you listen to heavy metal, or you can listen to classical, or you can listen to top 40s, or you can listen to um, alternative, or you could listen to house music, or you can listen to folk music or country music. There's so many different stations and frequencies on the radio, the same is true of energy in non-physical that you can tune into as well. So choose your stations wisely. Choose the ones you want to listen to and don't choose the others that you don't. That's my suggestion there. And use your inner voice. Always go there. It's never evil. <laughs> it always loves you. You're, and evil, like I just want to reiterate, is coming from a place of fear and lack of awareness yet. But it ultimately is just a play in the drama of pure awareness, which doesn't have any form, good or bad. So it's all just a, a little play for us to play in. But choose the pawns you want to play in, I guess I could say. All right, now we have Maria who said, Hi, Jess, in doing the work around relationships and partners, who do you like to read and study? Besides your inner voice, where do you turn to your own support on the relationship journey? I really used Abraham Hicks, actually. I kind of went back to Abraham for my mind to really bone up on this subject, if you will, around relationship. That's where I personally went in the last few months. I really, really felt it was fun to go into that topic. I don't really need Abraham's work on any other area. My mind's already in that knowing, allowing, trusting, aligning, like that's all like happening in every other area. The wiggly one that was still kind of chinking into place as a puzzle piece was this one. And it was really cool because it was, I've obviously heard Abraham Hicks speak about relationships over the six years that I've known Abraham Hicks. And obviously my mind's been chewing on that toy, but I could tell even in the last few months and weeks even that like it's 
it's landing. Like what they're saying doesn't sound so much of a stretch. It's more of a reminder and an underlining and a bolding of what I already know and am living now. So that was amazing, actually. Watching the release of the relationship as I really did what my intuition told me to do, which aligned with what the Abraham Hicks, you know, preferences are on these subjects. It was so cool. So yeah, that's where I went personally. There you guys have it. This was my show for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed it. I will see you over on Instagram at Jess is and Cookie Lively or over in the app at the Lively Community app on your phone, free to download and over at JessLively.com. Join us for IVFT this fall if you feel like it's a fit. And until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>